Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we're going to be talking about something that every one of us experiences, and that's transitions in our lives. It doesn't matter if you're transitioning into a new school year or if you're transitioning into a new job or if you're transitioning to a new house or something else. We all experience these transitions in our lives. So how do we face all of these in healthy ways? How do we face the change in our lives in healthy ways? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about throughout a new sermon series that we're starting in this episode called Moving Forward. So throughout this series, we're going to be talking about lessons that you can learn today that will help you whenever you face change in your life. So let's get right into this episode sermon. So there's a stretch of highway that runs for just over 380 miles that connects Los Angeles to San Francisco that's called the I-5. That speed limit on the I-5 is 70 miles per hour, and that means that if you wanted to drive from L.A. to San Francisco under ideal traffic conditions, the drive would take you around six hours. But as anyone who's ever actually been on an interstate in Los Angeles can tell you, there's no such thing as ideal traffic there. So in reality, if you wanted to drive from Los Angeles to San Francisco, it's going to end up taking you more than eight hours instead of six. Now, you could try to cut that travel time down by flying, because a flight from LAX to San Francisco takes about an hour. But that doesn't account the fact that you still have to fight LA traffic to make it to the airport, and you still got to get there a couple hours early so that you can make it through TSA before you have to board your flight. So if you wanted to fly from Los Angeles to San Francisco, it ended up taking you around four hours. And that really isn't that bad. I mean, it does cut your travel time practically in half, but you would think that there would be a better way to get around California than that. I mean, this is California we're talking about. This is the home of Hollywood, and Hollywood has had such creative minds that they've come up with ways to have Scotty beam you up or to allow Han Solo to make a castle run in under 12 parsecs. So surely there has to be a better way to get around California. Well, that's actually what the state of California and the city of Los Angeles in particular have been working on for years. And just last year, in March of 2021, the government in Los Angeles awarded over $130 million in funding to further explore the possibility of either creating a monorail system that runs above some of the busiest highways in Los Angeles or a subway system that will run underneath those same busy roads. Now, if you're a commuter in Los Angeles, that might be exciting news for you because you might really like to have a monorail or a subway system. Still, it seems like there needs to be something better than that. And there is another idea that is in development right now that could actually change the face of transportation forever. Now, remember what I told you at the beginning of this sermon. If you wanted to drive from Los Angeles to San Francisco, it would take you around eight hours. And if you wanted to make the flight from one city to the other, it would take you around four hours. But there is another idea that's in development right now that would allow you to travel the 380 miles from Los Angeles to San Francisco in 34 minutes. You heard that right. There is an idea that is in development right now that would allow you to travel 380 miles 
in 34 minutes. It's called the Hyperloop. And the Hyperloop essentially works like that vacuum tube that they have in the drive-thru line of the banks. You know, you put the little canister in and it shoots the thing inside of the bank so you can deposit your money or make a withdrawal or whatever. Uh, only the Hyperloop works way faster than the vacuum tubes they have at your bank. They get the Hyperloop will allow people to travel at up to 670 miles per hour. Bibop Greta, who was the chief operating officer for Hyperloop Transportation Technology, has actually said that the Hyperloop is probably the closest thing to teletransportation that we as human beings have come up with yet. Now, the truth is, I have absolutely no idea if the Hyperloop is ever going to become a reality. I don't even know if our bodies can physically withstand traveling 670 miles per hour in a vacuum tube. But here's something that I do know. For us as people, when we know where we want to go, we want to get there as fast as we can. When we know where we want to go, we want to get there as fast as we possibly can. And that's not just true when it comes to traveling. It's true in just about every area and every aspect of our lives. And if we're being completely honest, that's the way that a lot of us right here at Melbourne Heights are feeling today. Because last Sunday we voted, and we know that we are going to be moving into our new church home in just a matter of weeks. And now that we know where we're going, we want to get there as fast as we possibly can. We want to move forward as a church. And we want to do that because we all know how crazy the last few years have been for us as a church. We know everything that we have had to face, and it's been a long time coming for us to have a new place that we can call home. This journey for us started almost five years ago when we had to make the decision that in order for us to continue to be the church that God calls us to be, to, to do the things that God calls us to do, that we had to sell our old church building, the place that we had called home for 60 years. Now, we actually finalized the sale of our building in September of 2020, right in the height of the pandemic, when we still weren't having in-person services. So when we resumed having in-person services again in April of 2021, we became a portable church. And that means that for almost a year and a half, we have been renting space here at UofL where we can have our worship services. But now we have a new church home that is waiting for us. So we want to move forward, and we want to get there as fast as we possibly can. And there's good reason. Every one of us knows how challenging the last five years have been for us. We know how hard it was to have to make the decision to sell our old church building. We know how much work has gone into being a portable church for the last 18 months. And we all know how difficult it was to have to put a lot of our hopes and a lot of our dreams for the future of Melbourne Heights on hold while all of this was unfolding. So now that we know where we want to go, we want to get there as fast as we can. But when I think about where we're at as a church right now, I can't help but think about where the people of Israel were 2,500 years ago. And in case you don't know where the people of Israel were at 2,500 years ago, it's sufficient to say they weren't exactly in a good spot. And that's because in 586 B.C., the southern kingdom of Israel, which we refer to as Judah, was invaded and conquered by the Babylonian Empire. And that last sentence doesn't even begin to do justice to what it was like for the kingdom of Judah to be invaded and conquered, okay? So if you want to have 
some idea of what it was like to live in the kingdom of Judah when Babylon came and invaded and conquered them, I encourage you to read the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament in your Bible sometime. Because according to church tradition, the book of Lamentations was written by the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah walked through the city streets of Jerusalem after that invasion was over. So just to give you a small glimpse of what it was like when Babylon invaded and conquered Judah, I want to read to you just a portion of what Jeremiah writes in the book of Lamentations. So this comes from Lamentations chapter 2, and I'll start reading in verse 5. Here's what Jeremiah says. He says, My Lord has become like an enemy. He devoured Israel. He devoured all her palaces. He made ruins of her city walls. In daughter Judah, he multiplied mourning along with more mourning. He wrecked his own booth like a garden. He destroyed his place for festivals. The Lord made Zion forget of both festival and Sabbath. In his fierce rage, he scorned both monarch and priest. My Lord rejected his altar. He abandoned his sanctuary. Handed Zion's palace walls over to enemies. I can't even begin to imagine what Jeremiah must have seen as he walked through the streets of Jerusalem after Babylon had invaded. But just by listening to what he says in this passage, you can imagine that what he saw there had to be pretty horrific. I mean, did you hear how Jeremiah described the scene in Jerusalem? Jeremiah said that it looked like God had devoured the city of Jerusalem. That God had allowed it to be wrecked and completely destroyed. That everything there was gone, including the most holy places in the entire city. It would have been the temple and God's altar there. If that weren't bad enough, after the Babylonian Empire came and invaded and conquered the kingdom of Judah, they also took hundreds, if not thousands, of people as prisoners. So there were hundreds or thousands of people from Judah who were forced to live in exile. Now, we think it's been hard to be a part of the church over the last few years, but that can't even begin to compare to how hard it would have been for the people of Judah to be forced to live in exile. It couldn't have been easy for them to be forced to live as strangers in a foreign land. It couldn't have been easy for the people of Judah to be drug away from their family and from their friends. It couldn't have been easy for the people of Judah to have to start life all over again and wonder if they would ever have another place that they could call home. And that's really all that they wanted. The people of Judah wanted to be freed from being held captive in Babylon. The people of Judah wanted to be able to have a place to call home again. The people of Judah wanted to be able to move forward. And in the book of Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 30 and 31, that's exactly what God promises to the people of Judah. So let's take a look at just part of what God promises them. Starting in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 2. Here's what we're told. It's the Lord, the God of Israel, proclaims, Write down in a scroll all the words that I've spoken to you. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will bring back my people Israel and Judah from captivity, says the Lord. I will bring them home to the land that I gave to their ancestors. 
they will possess it. Here, here, were the words the Lord spoke concerning Israel and Judah. So don't be afraid, my servant Jacob declares the Lord. Don't lose hope, Israel. I will deliver you from faraway places and your children from the land of their exile. My people, Jacob, will again be safe and sound with no one harassing them. I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. I will put an end to all the nations where I have scattered you, but I won't put an end to you. I have loved you with love that lasts forever. And so, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Again, I will build you up and you will be rebuilt, virgin Israel. Again, you will play your tambourines and you'll dance with joy. Again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. Farmers will plant and then enjoy the harvests. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. I will put my instructions within them and engrave them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. So did you hear everything that God promised the people of Judah in those verses that we just read? God makes some really big promises. God promises them that they will be freed from their exile. They will be freed from their captivity. God promises the people of Judah that they will be able to go back home to the land that God had promised to their ancestors. God promises the people of Judah that they will once again be in a place where they are safe and secure and no one will harass them. And that's not even all that God promises them. God goes on to promise them to once again be in a place where they can sing and they can dance and they can celebrate all that God has done for them. And God promises that they'll again be in a place where they will be prosperous and have an abundance. And God tells them that the most abundant thing that they will have when they return home is God's love for them. And I don't know about you, but when I hear all of these promises... And I can't wait for these promises to be fulfilled. I can't wait for God to keep his promises. Because I believe that the promises that God makes here aren't just true for the people of Judah. I believe these are promises that God makes for us, his church, his people. Today, I believe that God wants us to be free to follow God wherever it is that God calls us to follow him. I believe that God wants us to be in a place where we feel safe and secure. I believe that God wants us to be in a place where we can sing and we can dance and we can celebrate everything that God has done for us. I believe that God wants us to experience and to share his abundant love with others. I believe that God makes all of these promises to us. And that's exciting. And when you hear those promises, it makes you excited, and it makes you want to see these promises fulfilled as quickly as they possibly can be fulfilled. But before we get too excited about the promises that God makes in Jeremiah 30 and 31, there's another passage that we need to read. And this one comes from Jeremiah chapter 29. So if you've got a Bible close by, I'd encourage you to go ahead and grab it and find Jeremiah 29. And as you're doing that, I do want to point out that the passage that we're about to read is what God says right before he starts making these promises to the people of Judah. All right, so let's see what God has to tell the people of Judah before he makes
against these big promises. We're start reading in Jeremiah 29 and verse 4. Here's what it says. It says, The Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel, proclaims to all the exiles I've carried off from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Cultivate gardens and eat what they produce. Get married. Have children. Then help your sons find wives and your daughters find husbands in order that they too may have children. Increase in number then so that they don't dwindle away. Promote the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because your future depends on its So did you hear what God told the people of Judah in that passage? And remember, this is what God says right before God makes these big promises to the people of Judah. God is about to promise the people of Judah that they're going to get to go back home. They're going to get to return to the place that their ancestors had been promised, that they're going to be prosperous and have an abundance again, that they're going to be safe and secure. But before God makes those promises to them, what does God say? says you need to settle down where you're at. You need to build houses where you're at. You need to plant gardens where you're at. And you need to let those gardens grow and you need to harvest them. You need to have children where you're at. And you need to be there long enough that you can give your kids away in marriage. Everything that God mentions in that passage from Jeremiah 29 is going to take time. Time takes time to settle in. It takes time to build a house. It takes time to plant a garden. It takes time for that garden to grow. It takes time to have children, and it takes time for your kids to get old enough that you can give them away in marriage. So God tells the people of Israel all of this right before he makes these really big promises. Because God wants the people of Israel to know that before they get too excited about where they're going, They need to live where they are. And I think God wants us to hear the exact same thing. We know that we are moving forward as a church. We know that we are soon going to be entering into a new space that we will be calling home. And we are excited about what the future holds for us. But before we get too excited about where we're going, we need to live where we are. Before we get too excited about where we're going, we need to live where we are. And there's a reason why God wants us to live where we are. And that's because God wants to be our God where we are right now. God doesn't want us to wait, to worship Him, to praise Him, to have a relationship with Him until some unknown future arrives. God wants to be our God right now. God wants to be your God right now. That's what God wanted from the people of Israel, from the people of Judah. He wanted to be their God right where they were, even when they were in exile. God wanted to be their God when they were away from home. God wanted to be their God when they were facing difficult times, when life wasn't going their way. Because God wanted the people of Judah to know that God's not just the God of a prosperous future. God is God. Right. 
that's what God wants us to know as well. That's what God wants in our lives right now. God wants to be the God of your life right now. God wants to be the God of your life if everything is going right for you right now. But God also wants to be the God of your life if nothing is going right for you right now. Because God is always God. God always wants to be your excited about what the future holds for us. I know that we're excited about being able to put our days as a portable church behind us and look forward to having a spot where everything that we do as a church will happen together under one roof. I know that we're excited about having a new place that we can call home. But before that happens, there are things that we need to learn. And the first thing we need to learn Let's not get so caught up in the future that we stop following God in the present. Let's get let's not get so caught up in the future that we stop following God in the present. Because here's the reality. If God is always God, if God always wants to be the God of your life, that can't happen for you if you're only looking forward to the future. The only way that God can be the God of your life right now is if you focus on God in the present. The only way that God can be the God of your life right now is if you spend time with God in the present. The only way that God can be the God of your life right now is if you pay attention to the work that God is doing in your life and in the world right now. So before we move forward, before we get caught up in what the future holds, we can't stop following. just as we face a transition in the life of our church, but whenever you face any change or transition in your life, don't get so caught up looking to the future. Whether it's excitement or whether you are scared to death about what the future holds. Instead, trust God where you are and trust that God will be with you wherever you go. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, you know that we as a church are excited. God, we have been waiting for five years to figure out where the next place was that this church was going to call home. And now, God, we know where that home is going to be. So, like all of us, as human beings are just drawn to do, when we know where we want to go, we want to get there fast, God. Don't let us get so caught up in what the future holds for us. Allow us to make you the God of our lives every single day. Learning to trust you through the good times, through the bad times. Learning to worship you when everything goes right. Learning to worship you when everything goes wrong. Allow us to remain committed to you no matter what the future may bring, God. And let us never forget that you are always with us. Always our God. Especially means God right now. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has helped you learn the first thing that we always need to remember whenever it is that we're facing change. And that's that before the change comes, we still need to live where we are. You can't get ahead of yourself. You can't live into the future. You need to live where you are right now. And when it comes to our faith, that means that God needs to be God of your life right now, not in some distant future when everything's going perfectly for you. Because God's not just God of the perfect. God is also God when your life is imperfect too. Well, in our next episode, we're going to continue talking about lessons that we can learn that can help us whenever we face change and transitions in our life. So we hope that you'll join us when our next podcast drops. That next episode will drop next Tuesday morning. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, it will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And you don't have to wait for next Tuesday morning to roll around to join us for worship. We would love to have you come and worship with us online every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. Eastern Time at MHBC Louisville. Dot com slash live. Well, until next time, I will be praying for you. I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.